This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on paying less for the coverage you need with Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get a quote today at FBHP.com. I'm Mike Keith. The Titans handled the Bengals on Sunday 27-3, evening their record at 2-2. Two and two. Handed is the right word for sure, as the Titans dominated the final three quarters in a way they had not done probably since 2021. I visited with head coach Mike Vrabel on Monday to discuss what went right against Cincinnati and what comes next for the Titans as they jump back into the AFC South at Indianapolis this Sunday. Here is my conversation with Mike Vrabel on the OTP. Pleased to be joined by Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. The run game got going in this game against Cincinnati. What was the key to running the football the most effectively that you have all year? Well, I thought we had uh, a good plan, a much better plan than, than maybe we tried against these guys last year. Um, so there were some adjustments there, but then ultimately the execution by the, by the players, you know, them, them being able to, to get in the line of scrimmage, work combinations, you know, hit a couple X-play runs. Uh, that always requires, you know, receivers to, to go in there and get support players and somebody to make, break a tackle and, and make a play. Uh, but, but I think the, the biggest thing was our ability to run it at the end uh, when the football, you know, they knew we, we were going to run it and we were able to run it. And so I think that really uh, solidified our day in the run game. You have discussed tight ends and their role in the run game and in the pass game. Uh, talk to me about how you thought the tight end group contributed in the win over Cincinnati. Well, I thought it was better. You know, they caught a couple passes out of there. They were at the point of attack in, in some runs. Um, but, yeah, that was that was a better better effort by, by all those guys, and it was good to see uh, Chig make some plays in the passing game. It was good to see Josh make uh, make the one down the seam and then obviously the, the one that Derek threw to him. So, you know, I thought it was better. What has allowed Josh Wiley to get on the field more in recent weeks? Well, he's prepared. He knows what to do. He can play multiple positions, uh, whether you see him at the line of scrimmage in the backfield. And, um, you know, he can, he can handle a lot of information. He's played on special teams as well. Colton Dow and Caleb Murphy play in their first NFL games, but also the same for Shy Carter, a, a guy who has worked since 2020 to make it into the league. Uh, that's something that means a lot to players and coaches all over the locker room when guys work hard enough to give themselves that chance. Yeah, he's earned the right to, to be out there. He earned the right to be out there on, on Sunday. He's been ready to go, had a good, good camp. Um, you know, and that's how he used the practice squad. You know, he's on the practice squad and he's developed and he's been here. He knows our system. Uh, and so he was able to step in there pretty seamless uh, and make, uh, make a couple plays to, to help us win. You were not pleased with the secondary last week. Were you more pleased with their performance against the Bengals? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, a good performance. I think that there are plays out there that we need to continue to try to be better at. But, uh, you know, we didn't give up any X-play passes, and in the, the end, that's probably the difference in the game. Yeah, you gave up two 17-yard plays on the day, the two longest plays overall. I mean, that fits right in the bucket with what you've got to have. Yeah, you make them earn it. In fact, the quarterback, you know, we were loose on a couple runs, but – you know, I think that that's, that's okay, uh, especially with where our emphasis was uh, most of the day. 
You know, I didn't hurt us, you know. Um, Chase, you know, Chase is obviously talented. He had some catches, but but didn't 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 hurt us. Didn't 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 really beat us. And I thought our guys just, you know, settled down after the first drive. I thought getting the stop there early was huge. You know, the phantom, you know, pass interference there with Roger. I don't think anybody batted an eye. They lined up and and played again. So, you know, that's what we asked them to do. Coach Mack talked a lot during the course of last week about how spot tackling was going to be one of the keys to the ball game. Seemed like your team did that very well against Cincinnati. We don't talk about it a lot, but are you pleased with the way your defense tackles through four games? It, was, it wasn't very good. We missed, uh, we missed some early. And uh, then after that, for whatever reason, we tackled much better. Uh, we missed some early. So I think that that showed up there in the first drive. Probably half the missed tackles were on that first drive. And, uh, you know, but, yeah, as long as you get guys at a football, uh, that, that's going to make up for some of those misses. When you look at your defense and your personnel, you have several good tacklers over there, which certainly is the starting point for a good defense. And one of the things that probably allows you to do different things? Well, it's, uh, it's being efficient tacklers. You know, I think that the ball broke a couple times there and Imani and, and KB – uh, have really been uh, very efficient tacklers for us since since the time that I've been here, and those guys have been here with us. So um, that we practice that a lot, and uh, we have a lot of confidence in those guys to be able to to get them on the ground at that point in time when it does break, and uh, allows us to line up and play again. Jeffrey Simmons had a fracas early in the ball game, but certainly calmed down. You calmed him down at that point, and he went on to play an excellent ball game. What is it about Simmons that sometimes maybe you have to tamp down just a little bit to make sure he stays on point? Well, he, he's going to be the focal point for, for those guys on the other side. And, you know, whether that's uh, the offensive line and, you know, he's going to have to deal with a lot of these different things and the, and the blocks and the attention that he's going to uh, garner, uh, the conversations that happen with, with the backs or whoever's on the other side. You know, just his ability to, to – he's an emotional player, which is fantastic and necessary. But also being able to control that. Um, you know, I had just explained to him that, you know, that that's going to – you know, that's one foul on your way to – if you get a second one, you know, they're going to they're gonna take you out of the game. And uh, we, we certainly need Jeff Simmons uh, more than they need Joe Mixon. And he's a guy, too, that will listen. He understands, you know, I mean, and I appreciate that about him. And he knows like, hey, you know, he was wrong and he, he understood like what he can and can't do. Uh, and, and that's not going to change every week. They're, they're going to be, you know, coming after him and trying to block him and trying to frustrate him and do all those types of things. Crowd at Nissan Stadium was fantastic for the Cincinnati game. Only little problem is when Jeff came in on offense, they got very, very excited. So maybe maybe you just need to let the crowd know when he comes in the game on offense, you still got to be quiet? Well, he, he – I uh, appreciate our crowd. I, and I think we gave him some things to, to, to cheer about. I think we gave him some effort and we gave him some, some plays to cheer about and be excited about. We played good third down defense and they were loud. And, you know, Jeff's going to be a part of what we do on offense and, and we have to be able to, to put him out there situationally. And so – you know, when he, when he is out there, let him, let him get reported and, and let us operate. But, you know, it was, that was a, a fun play as well executed by everybody. The Indianapolis Colts, the next opponent, rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson. You have not seen him in person. How different is this preparation week for you, getting ready for Richardson, a new head coach in Shane Steichen and the Colts? 
Well, the defensively, the structure is, you know, pretty much the same. Uh, offensively, you know, there'll be things that we'll have to adjust to and, you know, personnel-wise, uh, certainly an athletic and, and mobile and, and explosive quarterback, um, you know, big receivers, you know, looks like the O-line starting to come together and play well for them. And, you know, again, going on the road in the division, you know, it's always a challenge and, and we'll have to get ready, you know, sooner rather than later. Is it almost like going against a Cam Newton due to his incredible size? Well, it's just uh, they're, they're, they're willing to, to run him and he can extend plays and, you know, we'll have to get a lot of people to the football and also have to, you know, be conscious and, and sound in our, in our coverage and, and making sure that we're tight, but also uh, have some eyes on him when he does take off and run. Colts have played good defense this season. What have they done especially well? Well, they're fast, you know, that's fast defense and, you know, it's it's sound sound scheme. You know, they they've got good players. They let them go, and uh, you know we'll have to be uh, be at our best if we want to you know, continue to uh, to have the day like we had yesterday. But each week is a, is a new week. What will be the plan for Kyle Phillips and Nicholas Petit Frere as they return this week? Yeah, we'll see where they're at in practice, and then make a decision. You know, at the end of the week, and uh, you know Kyle's been around here. Nick's just now getting back into it. So. Um, yeah, we'll see where their availability is later in the week. That's my Monday talk with Mike Vrabel. A reminder that the Titans and the Colts square off at noon central on Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. The award-winning Titans countdown starts at 11 a.m. We hope you'll join us. We also hope the Titans fans will join us for a cup of Duncan. It's always game on with Duncan, so grab a coffee and kick off the action whether that's drinking a cup of coffee on your way to the game, maybe while you're headed up I-65 to Indianapolis, or grabbing one to go while watching or listening to the game at home, Duncan is always there to help you get your game on. Just like the pros, we need to be at our best come game time, which is why Duncan is the most important part of your game day ritual because it's always the best call for football. America runs on Duncan. The Titans are 2 and 2. The Colts are 2 and 2. As a matter of fact, both the Jaguars and the Texans are also 2 and 2. That means if you're a team in the AFC South, you're tied for first and you're tied for last at the same time. That's not 100% correct from a technical standpoint, but you get the picture now. It's going to be a 13 game season to see who wins the South. In essence, all four teams will play this weekend at 0 and 0 and Whoever has the best record over the last 13 games will win the division. To learn about the Titans' next opponent, one of those two-and-two teams, I welcome the opportunity to visit with Matt Taylor. He is the fine play-by-play voice of the Indianapolis Colts. And, Matt, how are you this evening? Uh, likewise, Mike. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Let's uh, let's run through your season so far. Opener against Jacksonville. A 10-point loss, go to Houston, win by 11. At Baltimore, a crazy game, overtime win, 22-19. to And another crazy game at home against the Rams. You uh, lose that win in overtime, coming from 23-0 down to tie it. Lose that win in OT, 29-23. Two and two. When you started this thing out, Matt, is that about where you thought you'd be? 
I didn't know where the heck we would be with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. Uh, so I, I didn't know what to expect this year. I just knew it was going to be interesting, and it, it's definitely been that. Uh, you know, you factor in some some injuries to Anthony Richardson as well, right? That first game against the Jaguars, he doesn't finish it. And he you know, goes out with a, a banged-up knee. Uh, doesn't seem to be a big deal. Comes back the next game against the Houston Texans. Rips off two rushing touchdowns in the first two drives of the game in the first quarter, but kind of took a you know had a had a cost to pay for that, if you will, with uh, taking a concussion, a hit at the goal line. So he misses the third game uh, in Baltimore, as you said, an overtime game. Gardner Minshew comes in and uh, plays tremendous. The backup quarterback leads the Colts uh, to a victory in a hostile place. Matt Gay kicks five field goals, four of them over 50. So that was uh, really, really interesting in a positive way. And then this past game, I was really eager to see how the Colts were going to handle success, right? Because I think it's easy to embrace the idea of an underdog and, you know, no one's picking us to win and no one has, no one had expectations for us at the beginning of the season, all of that stuff. I think that's an easy thing. Uh, to, to buy into. I'm not taking it away from the Colts, but, you know, the, that, that seems to be something that a lot of teams do and embrace, and, and, and rightfully so. But this franchise in the recent past hasn't had a whole lot of success, right? They've missed the playoffs the last couple of years. Uh, last year they had a seven-game losing streak to end the season. They picked in the top five, but here they are. They're on a two-game winning streak going into this game yesterday. And so it's, all right, how are you going to handle success, right? How are you going to deal with – a little bit of a target on your back, and it didn't go well in the first half. Uh, they got outplayed. They got outcoached. Uh, they were down 20 to nothing in halftime. It was 23 to zero, uh, about seven minutes to go in the third quarter. Now, give them credit. They rallied back, but it was, you know, if, if you're looking at the positives versus the negatives, I think, you know, the negatives outweigh the positive in that game. Certainly, you lose it in overtime, but, you know, you just can't get down 23 points and expect to win. Anthony Richardson was unbelievable in the second half of that game yesterday, but I just don't think you can rely upon that and count upon that just big play after big play for four consecutive drives like you saw yesterday. So now they're back to two and two like everybody else in the division, and now you know they're, they're back to, all right, where is this season going to go now that you're 500 going into game five against the you know, AFC South? The next two games for the Colts are in the division, and the Titans represent a major hurdle for this organization. Five wins in a row for the Titans over the Colts, dating back to 2020. All right, let's talk about Anthony Richardson. Fourth overall pick out of Florida. It's the start to begin the season, which surprised some people. He's thrown for 479 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, been sacked six times, has rushed 22 times for 131 yards. That's six yards a carry. An impressive four touchdowns. Matt, what has he done that has surprised you so far in his time as the Colts quarterback? I think he's just ahead of schedule in terms of comfort, command of the offense. I think mentally, physically, he's got all the tools. Uh, I'm not surprised at all of his you know, rushing ability and, and what he can do throwing the football. He throws a great ball. He's got a great arm. He can make all of the throws. But I'm just surprised at where he's at in terms of just comfort. You know, and I say that because he's only played 13 going into this year. He had only played 13, I call them big boy games, 
in, in major college football at Florida, right? He only started one year there, and he's come in. He's got great poise. He understands the pocket. He navigates, you know, crowds around him, if you will, with rushers coming down on him, and he just makes plays that a, a Colts quarterback has never been able to make. Uh, he's, he's a very big guy. He's, you know, six foot five, pushing 260, so he's big stature-wise. Um, and obviously he's just a freak of nature with his combine measurables, the speed, the athleticism, the agility, the culture getting him out on the edge when in the running game, uh, you know, four or five design runs per game, especially inside the red zone. It's just really exciting to, to watch him play. I'm just, you know, this is going to sound, you know, hyperbole and cliche, but you're just literally on the edge of your seat when he's at quarterback because of all the things he can do comparatively speaking to, what the Colts have had at quarterback since Andrew Luck's retirement with all of the, you know, the one year plug and play, you know, stopgap quarterbacks this franchise has had. So I'm just most impressed with him in terms of his mental ability and just where he's at in terms of command of the offense, the trust that his teammates have in him uh, and just his overall comfort playing NFL football, despite only having one year of major college football under his belt as a starter in the SEC. Tennessee at Indianapolis on Sunday, kickoff at Lucas Oil Stadium set for noon central time, visiting with our friend Matt Taylor, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. And so, voice of the Indianapolis Colts, are we going to see Jonathan Taylor at running back for the Colts on Sunday? What's your best guess? Right now, I think it's 50-50. You know, the only thing that you have to consider with Jonathan Taylor and any player that's missed you know, almost 10 months of, of football action. You know, he's missed roughly 50, 55, uh, you know, practices when you factor in off-season time and training camp time and preseason games and the first four games of the season is just conditioning, right? Where is he at in, in terms of football shape? But, you know, Jonathan Taylor is an elite player, both physically and production at his position. He's just like Derrick Henry. They are special players at that spot, and it's just, it's certainly, um, you know, it's, it's been kind of a long, winding road that's played out in the public since uh, the start of training camp. There's no doubt about that. But, um, you know, Shane Steichen said today that, you know, he's going to practice on Wednesday. He's coming off of PUP. That's going to start that three-week, 21-day window when the Colts have to make a decision on him. Um, but it, it's not out of the question that, that he plays on Sunday against Tennessee. But I don't know. I don't know what that would look like if that does happen, right? Because you do have Zach Moss and Taylor's missed so much time and he would not have a ton of time on task in terms of just timing and chemistry with Richardson as his quarterback and within this offense and a new scheme with a new head coach and a new play caller and Shane Steichen. So all that's kind of TBD. And so if he does play, that'd be great. But I wouldn't expect him to get, you know, 20, 25 carries per game and be the bell cow you know, Jonathan Taylor, we have seen in him in the past just because of it, you know, potentially him being in in his first game this year with so much time between starts in the NFL and the regular season. When we last left this exciting running back, he said he didn't want to play for the Colts anymore. When did something get worked out to uh, have a meeting of the minds that everything could be okay with this? Well, I, I, I don't know. That's that's a really good question. I mean, that those are obviously a lot of conversations that are happening behind the scenes. You know, I know what's been reported and that, you know, Jonathan Taylor was just like every running back in the NFL, right, pretty disgruntled on the, 
the quarterback market and the finances and the contract at that position. Uh, you know, so he asked for a trade. Uh, the Colts denied that initially, and then they let him kind of poke around at the end of training camp, see what was out there. Nothing really big came to fruition. Um, and, and, and this is all in the backdrop of him still coming off an ankle injury, right? He had surgery in the off season. He missed the last four games of the season uh, with, with that with that ankle injury. So he was still in the backdrop rehabbing that. You know, you still had a health component to all of this. Uh, but he's healthy now, and he's coming back. And, you know, the, the hard truth of it is from a business standpoint, I have no idea how he feels, you know, on, on the Colts and, and his future here. You know, he's going to speak to the media for the first time coming up on Wednesday, so I guess we'll get a better perspective then. Um, but the reality is he's, he's in order to reach free agency next year and start this whole, you know, business uh, process over, uh, he's got to play in at least six games somewhere, whether that's with the Colts or somewhere else in the NFL with a different team. So he's, he's going to have to be on the field uh, this year for six games, at least six games, in order for his contract to toll and, and carry over for next year and thus qualify for unrestricted free agency. So um, we'll, we'll find out on Wednesday where his head is at and, and just you know how, how much uh, in good shape he is mentally and physically uh, going forward here, going into game five. Matt Taylor, you have uh, lived through some drama up there, undoubtedly. Is there a sense that Shane Steichen has sort of got it moving in a direction where it's going to be uh, less Melrose place and more let's get back to football? Yeah, I mean, I've seen, you know, coaches uh, say they're coming and then not come and quarterbacks retire and, uh, you know, certainly, you know, you had a, a wacky COVID season just like everybody else and then certainly this, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I think Shane Steichen definitely brings uh, a, a very much a sense of stability and just for lack of a better term, like like no BS. You know, he's very much all ball. He holds guys uh, guys accountable. So yeah, I think you can you can have the uh, the guiding light or the days of our lives or the bold and the beautiful. I think you can have that calming down here a little bit, and that's what this franchise needs in order to to get back on track. Because you know, Mike. Like you let off with, you know, the Titans come to Lucas Oil Stadium this weekend. You know, I think it's been four straight games. Tennessee has won over the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. This team now, unfortunately, dating back to last year, and last year was just a blur and, and you know, and an unfortunate season. But dating back to last season, the Colts have lost seven straight home games at Lucas Oil Stadium. They haven't won a division since 2014. People up here are not used to this because of the way they used to dominate the division with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. They are not used to this yet, and they're getting twitchy, and I think Shane Steichen definitely represents stability, and he's the right guy for the, for the job because of holding guys accountable in the culture that he is building. He's no-nonsense, very intelligent, very good schematically. I think he's the right guy for where this franchise is at right now currently. You look at the draft class for the Indianapolis Colts, led by Anthony Richardson. Very impressive group. Josh Downs, the receiver from North Carolina, outstanding. And, and up and down the line, players, free agent acquisitions. But one thing that really jumped out to me is Gus Bradley as the defensive coordinator. It feels as if with this fast defense that we were talking about earlier on the Mike Vrabel show, Gus Bradley is the perfect guy to run that show and making sure that he's in charge of that, holding that in the road, really a good thing? 
Yeah, I think so. I think that's a really good point. And, you know, he's back for year number two, right? He wasn't initially hired by Shane Steichen. He was hired by Frank Reich. And so for him to come back in the offseason with a new head coach and a new regime, if you will, speaks to a lot of trust and a lot of, um, you know, foundational pieces that Shane Steichen liked in this defense from what they put up last year. This was a good defense for most of the season last year. They fell off a cliff towards the end of the year as that season just completely spiraled out of control in all three phases. But, yeah, you can definitely tell the core of this defense is playing faster, more instinctual, not thinking, making more plays this year because it's year number two in this system. And you look at it, Mike, you've got all pro players and pro bowl players in all three levels of this defense with DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. And then you've got some guys that are coming on here a little bit in year three, right, like Quiddy Pay, uh, who's in the concussion protocol, by the way, just a little bit of a sidebar. you got Samson Ebicom, then at linebacker, Shaquille Leonard, Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed, a very underrated player. Then in the back end, you know, Ju- uh, Julian Blackman and Kenny Moore the second. So now, outside of those players, you're young and you're coming along a little bit at corner. Um, you know, you, you got to figure out some stability at the other edge rusher position, you know, whether that's Dioa Dangbo or Samson Ebicom. But this is a loaded defense, just like Tennessee's defense. A lot of good players. I think the sum is better than the parts, but the parts are pretty good individually as well. Um, so, yeah, this is a good defense. Now, they didn't show it for half the game yesterday, which was disappointing because Matthew Stafford threw for a high completion percentage. Um, they didn't rush him like they did Lamar Jackson the week before in terms of blitz rate. So it, it's a week-to-week proposition in the NFL, but this overall is a good defense-filled with playmakers that have been in this defense now for two years, and the core of this defense has been together personnel-wise for the last four or five years. You do a super job, and you are a better guy. We look forward to seeing you. and Thank you so much for taking time for Titans Radio and the Mike Vrabel Show. Matt Taylor, appreciate you. Anytime for you, Mike. I appreciate you, man. Safe travels coming up here, and we'll see you Sunday. All right. Thanks very much, Matthew. That's Colts announcer Matt Taylor joining me here on the OTP. Everybody, just making sure you know SeatGeek is now the official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans. That's right, SeatGeek is the newest member of the Titans family. If you haven't heard the name yet, get used to it because you'll be hearing it a lot more this season. Whether you're buying or selling tickets to Titans games or any other live event in Nashville, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek, the new official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans, so Titans fans can fan. With wide receiver Kyle Phillips designated to return from injured reserve and offensive lineman Nicholas Petit-Frere coming off of the suspended list, many of the OT people have asked questions about the mechanics of those two players' roster situations as they stand right now. The basic answer to this question, do the Titans need two roster spots immediately? The short answer is no. Rhett Bryan and I had a chance to discuss it on this week's Mike Vrabel show, also presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. And so we've decided to include it in this edition of the OTP, just in case you missed that. Glad to have you with us on this Monday night. It is a beautiful Monday night because it's a victory Monday night. It's a victory Monday night. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the roster situation with the Titans right now. They spent all of last week at 52 players. You can have 53, 
But they just went through the week. We're leaving that roster spot open in case they needed it. They didn't. And so they did not have to make one more player inactive on Sunday as they normally would. So that was, you know, neither here nor there. No big deal. Today, they waive Mason Kenzie and Xavier Newman. Mason Kenzie, wide receiver and a punt returner. Xavier Newman, a guard. They waive them, so the Titans are at 50. Kyle Phillips is designated to return to practice after being injured at Minnesota. He missed the first four games, so he is able to start practice this week. And Nicholas Petit-Frere returns from suspension. And he will be able to practice this week. And so, Rhett, I, I think people maybe are kind of wondering, well, do they take you immediately back to 52 players? Does Phillips count one, Petit Frere count one, and then you have one open spot? At this point, the answer is no. And maybe it's a little confusing to those listening to Titans radio. Well, and one, because you've got an offensive lineman moved and Xavier Newman being mm-hmm. uh, away from the roster. So you're going to try to draw a line to Nicholas Petit-Frere, and that may not be the case. And the same thing could be said for Kyle Phillips because of the Mason Kenzie move. But the Kyle Phillips thing is it begins, what, three weeks now, 21 days of practice that they can deem to go that far if they wanted to before they could have to make a decision to either keep him on IR or put him on the active roster, correct? Good question. That's how it works. Uh, Today, we mentioned the Titans designated Kyle Phillips to return from injury. So, Let me explain what that means. Tennessee is using the first of eight possible moves for returning players from injured reserve. So you can do this eight total times. Now that Phillips has been designated to return, the Titans do have a 21-day practice period for Kyle Phillips. On the 22nd day, which would be, I guess, October the 24th. After they come back from London. Right, after the bye weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the case of Phillips, at that point, Tennessee would either have to activate him or leave him on IR for the remainder of the season. Now, they could activate him tomorrow. They could activate him any time. You don't have to wait three weeks. You just have the three weeks if you need it. Like if a guy's coming back from an ACL or mm-hmm. from something that was an offseason, a more serious procedure, whatever, you need that extra time to get them back in shape because maybe they could not do much. Kyle Phillips has been able to do things. Mike Vrabel alluded to that. So you have 21 days, but you don't necessarily have to use all 21 days. Kyle Phillips, theoretically, could be activated and be ready to play against Indianapolis this weekend. So the answer could be no right now and yes this weekend. Yes. So he could end up taking Mason Kenzie's roster mm-hmm. spot. That that could be true. And if you do that, then you have seven other players you can do that with for the remainder of the season. That you can put okay. on IR and that can return. So mm-hmm. you use the first of your eight turns. Okay. Now, Petit Frere's situation is a little different because he's coming off of suspension. And so there was no need to announce designated to return today. There's nothing that has to happen in that formal way for a player returning from suspension. And you'll remember he was initially suspended for six games. The NFL and the NFLPA worked out some different terms about suspensions due to gambling. And so they went ahead and commuted his sentence to four games based on the new rules. So he's immediately able to walk into Ascension St. Thomas Sports Park today. Well, 
and, and he was last week. Mm-hmm. But what he could not do last week is he could not work out with the players. He could not take part in any sort of practice, and he could not attend the games. But he could attend, uh, attend a team meeting. He could go to meetings. Or a position group meeting and he, for and the he offensive could, line. And he could be in the building, mm-hmm. which was the, the big thing. So now what happens is he can not only come in the building, he can start practicing. He can go to all the meetings. He can work out with the team. He's back as part of the team again. By rule, however, the Titans don't have to add him to the roster immediately. They can request and receive a one-week roster exemption for a returning player like Petit Frere. So, theoretically, maybe those players who return from suspension are not ready to play in that first week they're back. And I could see a place where, an example here, where the league would grant that one-week exemption because this just basically happened last Friday. Well, and they're always going to grant it to give you to give the yeah. pl- to give the player a chance to come in because if he's in great shape and he's ready to go this weekend, then you add him to the roster. Mm-hmm. If he's not, then you do not have to add him to the roster until one week from today. So, Petit Frere, if he does not get added to the roster and doesn't play in Indianapolis then he would not take up a spot for this week's game. The Titans could add someone else there. If he is ready, then maybe he does indeed take Newman's spot at at the you know on the roster and that would take the Titans to mm-hmm. to 52. So, but you and you brought up a good point when we were talking about this earlier. Um there's only two running backs right now. Uh, you could make a move there. Sure. So, I mean, there's some other options in this, another receiver. So, I mean, there there are some moving parts to this. But to answer what you're saying is you, you, you they don't have to do anything this week in Indianapolis. But at the same time, they could make a move, and both gentlemen who are returning from different situations could be a part of it this week. Yeah, I guess to sum it up, I mean, next Monday, Petit Frere would have to be added back to the roster. So they're going to mm-hmm. need a roster because they're going to want him on the team. He's going to take a roster spot. Oh, yeah. Let's start with Phillips. On Monday, the Titans designated the wide receiver to return from injury. Here's what that means. Tennessee is using one of its eight possible moves for returning players from the injured reserve. You get eight total. This is number one. Now that Phillips has been designated to return, the Titans have a 21-day practice period for Phillips. By the 22nd day, which would be October the 24th in the case of Kyle Phillips, Tennessee must either activate him or leave him on injured reserve for the remainder of the season So as of right now, Kyle Phillips, scheduled to start practice, is not taking up one of the Titans' 53 roster spots. Once he's activated, they will need a spot for him. Let's go to Nicholas Petit-Freer. He's returning from suspension. No roster move is needed at this point either. That's because by rule, the Titans do not have to add him to the roster immediately. NFL teams can request and receive a one-week roster exemption for a returning player like Petit Freer. In Petit Freer's case, the week would actually include the Indianapolis game, Sunday's game there. So by next Monday, Petit Freer must be added to the active roster as the suspended player exemption runs out at that point. So Kyle Phillips, 
and Nicholas Petitfrere may be activated at Indianapolis this Sunday, but they do not have to be. So that's a little update for you. Again, reminding you this Sunday, Titans on their way to Indianapolis to take on the Colts, Lucas Oil Stadium. We hope to see you there. A lot of you will make your way up to Indy, as Titans fans always have, dating back to January 2000 when you showed up in droves. We look forward to seeing you. We'll open up the SeatGeek Broadcast Center for Titans Countdown at 11 a.m. Central. Rhett Bryan and our entire crew with Brad Willis, Ramon Foster, and, of course, Coach Dave McGinnis and me, Mike Key. I appreciate you listening. Thanks for being with us, as always, for the OTP. Titan, no.